Good morning and welcome to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God, His two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. I am your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Thank you to our generous underwriters on Sharper Iron, the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information and Luther Classical College, college for Lutherans by Lutherans, opening in fall 2025. Learn more at lutherclassical.org. On this Friday, September 16th, we are studying Deuteronomy chapter 26, verses 1 to 19. Moses speaks to Israel concerning the way that they will bring their offerings of first fruits and tithes before the Lord after they have taken possession of the promised land before Moses closes out this second sermon in the book of Deuteronomy. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's word today, we have this returning guest, Pastor Kyle Meetsner. Pastor Meetsner serves as a chaplain in the United States Army. He is currently training at Fort Jackson in Columbia, South Carolina. Pastor Meetsner, welcome back to Sharper Iron. Um, it's wonderful to be here and, and to be back. So we're talking about Deuteronomy chapter 26, Pastor Meetsner. I'm kind of happy about that. This chapter has a little bit more coherence in terms of its topic than some previous chapters of Deuteronomy. We've been kind of all over the place. And today we have a pretty solid of, you know, this is what we're talking about, offerings and then the conclusion of the, the sermon. But uh, think about the book of Deuteronomy, the context, what should we know as we prepare to look at this chapter? Well, um, and, and the listeners know by this point that um, Israel is here on the edge of the the promised land. They have been through the Exodus. This is uh, they are getting ready to go into the land which the Lord is giving them. And this is Moses's kind of uh, farewell sermon to the people of Israel. Um, and, and they've been through so much. And, and here they are. And, um, and Moses has been, has been talking about this stuff for a long time, too. Um, a lot of the things are are repeated here in Deuteronomy, um, which again just means the second law, the the name of the book. Uh, this is not the first time that anyone has heard these things, uh, but he he continues to preach to them and to teach them these things, and and so this is why it sounds very familiar with with the other books in the the Torah. But this this is it, and um, when they're done with this. Uh, when when Moses gives the final amen on this, um, they're going to cross the Jordan River and and take possession of the promised land, which the Lord is is giving to them. You know, it's kind of funny when you mention that uh, the previous chapters are they're kind of like discombobulated and and here and there, um, and but then this one he really he ends this sermon. And it's very cohesive and, and it's actually quite joyful as well, I think. Mm. And I don't know if you ever do this in your sermons, but I can tend to wander sometimes. Um, it's, this is actually why I work. I write. I could see that about you. The, well, this is why I write my sermons down is because <laughs> if I don't, I will be all over the place. And, and so I have to have it like charted out. Here's where we're going. Um, and and I don't know if that's kind of what's going on here, but but he does want to 
to end it in this just beautiful, beautiful section here. Um, but I mean, it is, it is interesting though. When you, when you think about this all as being Moses's last big um, thing and that the Lord has given to him to give to the people of Israel. And he wants to make sure that it's all there. And, and you think about um, pastors when they are, uh, when they're leaving their church and the last sermon that they preach, like there's a lot of pressure there and, mm. and they want to make sure that they kind of cover all the bases. And, yeah. and, and so, yeah, they're going to, they are going to cross the river and Moses is not going to go with them. So he wants to make sure that they don't forget this stuff. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And we, we see that particularly toward the end of our text today, where he really wraps up this second sermon before moving into a, a third that we're still coming to in the book of Deuteronomy. I appreciate what you said about not only is this text cohesive in terms of its topic, but also it's very joyful. And, and you know, we're going to be talking a lot about offerings today. And sometimes we don't think about the joyful nature of giving an offering. But I, I do recall when we talked about the tithe and offering in chapter 14 of Deuteronomy, that same topic came up, that there's a joyful nature to the the giving of offerings. What I find particularly compelling about this chapter is that the joyful giving of the offerings is also tied to what sounds like a pretty specific liturgy. They are given words to speak when they give their offerings. And just the, you know, the the giving of offerings and a liturgy tied together with joy, I think sometimes we would separate those things. Well, how could I be joyful when I'm giving an offering? Or how can I be joyful when I'm saying the same thing over and over again? And and yet they, they go together here in Deuteronomy 26. And that's a, a particularly beautiful thing, I think. Yeah. And they're not giving uh, out. They're not like um, just picking up random sticks and, and rocks and things like that. They're not giving garbage. They have been given in abundance and they could, they could even throw extra in there. Um, but yeah, they have joy because they've been, they have been given and provided for so much. Um, yeah, of course it's joyful. They're like, and then, yeah, this kind of creed that they, they have there in, in, in verse, uh, five to 11, they're like, yeah, uh, we used to have nothing. And now look what we have. We have so much that we're just going to, we're giving it away. Yeah. 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 So, okay. We've got a joyful text of giving in Deuteronomy 26. Let's read. This is Moses speaking. When you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance and have taken possession of it and live in it, you shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground, which you harvest from your land that the Lord your God is giving you, and you shall put it in a basket and you shall go to the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name to dwell there. And you shall go to the priest who is in office at that time and say to him, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our fathers to give us. Then the priest shall take the basket from your hand and set it down before the altar of the Lord your God. And you shall make response before the Lord your God. A wandering Aramean was my father, and he went down into Egypt and sojourned there, few in number, and there he became a nation, great, mighty, and populous. And the Egyptians treated us harshly and humiliated us and laid on us hard labor. Then we cried to the Lord, the God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice and saw saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. 
And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great deeds of terror, with signs and wonders. And he brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And behold, now I bring the first of the fruit of the ground, which you, O Lord, have given me. And you shall set it down before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. And you shall rejoice in all the good that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house, you and the Levite and the sojourner who is among you. When you have finished paying all the tithe of your produce in the third year, which is the year of the of tithing, giving it to the Levite, the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, so that they may eat within your towns and be filled, then you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the sacred portion out of my house, and moreover, I have given it to the Levite, the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, according to all your commandment that you have commanded me. I have not transgressed any of your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. I have not eaten of the tithe while I was mourning, or removed any of it while I was unclean, or offered any of it to the dead. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord my God. I have done according to all that you have commanded me. Look down from your holy habitation, from heaven, and bless your people Israel in the ground that you have given us, as you swore to our fathers, a land flowing with milk and honey. This day the Lord your God commands you to do these statutes and rules. You shall therefore be careful to do them with all your heart and with all your soul. You have declared today that the Lord is your God, and that you will walk in his ways, and keep his statutes and his commandments and his rules, and will obey his voice. And the Lord has declared today that you are a people for his treasured possession, as he has promised you, and that you are to keep all his commandments, and that he will set you in praise and in fame and in honor, high above all nations that he has made, and that you shall be a people holy to the Lord your God, as he promised. That's our text for today. That's Deuteronomy chapter 26, verses 1 to 19. Pastor Meetzner, there seem to be three pretty clear sections here. The first 11 verses that deal with giving of the first fruits and where you go and what you say when you give that gift. Verses 12 to 15, which deals with the giving of the third year tithe and how to give that gift. And then verses 16 to 19, which then are a conclusion, not just to this chapter, but really to this whole long sermon in Deuteronomy, which was started way back in chapter five, these laws of the Lord that, that Moses has been speaking for so long. So let's, let's talk about that first section, coming into the land that the Lord has given, giving of the first fruits. Uh, take us into that that part of the text. Yeah, well, and when he starts out, <clears throat> he doesn't say if you happen to come into the land that the Lord is going to give you. He says when you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Um, they again, they had nothing, and and you think about the roots of the people of Israel, uh, and this is why it's so important that they. They're this wonderful little uh, creed or liturgy or, or whatever you want to call it there. A wandering Aramean was my father. Jacob had Jacob. We remember that Jacob uh, works for, for 20 years for his wives. Um, and, and then he, he's, yeah, I mean, he's kind of a rascal too. Right. I mean, and, and also uh, we know that he is renamed Israel. Um, uh, for wrestles with God because he literally wrestled with God and, and was given a limp. And, and so he's, when we think about Jacob, he's not this super uh, strong kind of heroic character, but he's a character through whom the Lord works and, and establishes his people. And then even then you're looking at his, his family and uh, his, his sons, 
like they're they're no good either. Uh, they they are jealous of their brother and and throw him into a well and, and fake his death. And um, so we got to remember where we came from or else we're going to get too proud of, of what we've been given. Uh, we, we have not worked for this. Okay. They're coming into a land that they also did not work for. That is just a gift of the Lord, their whole entire existence. When they go down into uh, Egypt, they, they go there because they're starving. They, they go there because they don't, there's a famine in the land and, um, and Jacob's children, they, they go back and forth and they do this sort of thing where they're like afraid of their brother and they don't, but they don't know it's their brother, but, but he knows who they are. And, and, and it's just kind of wild where they all come from. And it's really, really easy to forget that sort of thing. Um, you know, I've never been a slave. Uh, but then you, you look at this and you're like, yeah, it's not too long ago that your grandparents, um, in, in this case, uh, great, great grandparents, uh, many generations, they, they grew up in slavery. Um, in, in this generation of people at this point, uh, all the ones who were in Egypt, they're not around anymore. Uh, they're not going into the promised land, um, other than, than Caleb. Right. And, uh, but, but there they are. And, um, it's, it's really important for them to remember that they are nothing but, um, given to, they are a completely gifted people. Um, they haven't worked for any of this stuff. And I, you know, I look around at our, materialistic world and society in which we are just constantly on the go for more stuff, better stuff. Um, and then also we end up being surrounded by all this stuff. Um, I've been moving recently and, uh, I, you know, it's, I think it's a good, good thing for people to move every once in a while because all of a sudden, um, so, uh, with the, the United States army is, is moving us. And so it's a little easier. So this is wild. They, I'm allowed to bring 14,500 pounds of personal belongings. Wow. And well, yeah, right. Is that a lot? I don't, I don't have, I don't, I don't know. I don't have, is that a lot of personal belongings? I really don't have a conception of how I have no idea. Um, <laughs> I, I know that I moved here with 9,000. Um, I moved to, to Alaska with 9,000, but it, it's just like 14,000 pounds. I mean, do I, do I really have that much? How did I even get that much? What is this? Um, and do I really need to to move all that too? Um, because if if I were to bring nothing with me, what would happen to me? I I'd be fine. That that's that's what would happen. Um, I my my children aren't going to starve. We're not going to find ourselves without a roof over our head. Um, the Lord really does care for us uh, more than birds of the air, and He clothes us um, in in a greater ar array than, than the, than the flowers of the field. Um, 
of course he cares for us. And so when we, when we kind of, when we elevate our possessions to the position of, 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 of our, the object of our worship, you know, I mean, earlier on we get the 10 commandments, you know, and, and I always think it's striking that there are two rules against coveting and in only one against murder, it's kind of wild. Um, and then if you throw in, um, don't steal, help your neighbors keep their things. You have three, at least three commandments regarding, um, the desire for possessions. And in the whole thing here is that the, the Lord has given them everything. And so we remember this is that they've been, they've been, wandering around in the desert after they were liberated from slavery, after they were taken through the Red Sea on dry ground, their enemies are drowned behind them. They are taken care of. And then they complain. And what does the Lord do? He hears them. He gives them manna and quail and he feeds, uh, gives them water from, from rocks. I mean, it's just kind of amazing. And so then that we would ever come to think that we would be in danger of not having enough to live, uh, as Jesus calls it, our daily bread, that we would think that, whoa, yeah, well, he's probably not going to take care of me tomorrow, though. Uh, that's It's really, really dangerous for us. Uh, and Jesus talks about this, doesn't he? Um, it's especially Matthew 6 in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, I mean, first off, blessed are the poor, of course, but then, uh, and he goes on, he says, Hey, you're going to love God or you're going to love money. You're going to love God or you're going to love mammon things of this world. And you cannot serve two masters. Um, do not forget who you are. You know, it's wonderful. The, the creed, which they are to, to recite with their children, they do this when they are, uh, when they're walking about, when they're laying down, um, when they're, whatever they're doing and they, they write it on their, their doorposts and, uh, put it between their foreheads and on their hands and just everywhere, because I think it's really easy to forget what it is to be people that are just given to, I, I mean, I forget this all the time and, uh, I, I've never gone without. In fact, I have somewhere around like 14,000 pounds that I'm allowed to move. I mean, what in the world? I, it, it, so you know what I mean? It's, it's just, we had nothing, nothing. We were, we were slaves. And before we were slaves, wandering Arameans, this is not <laughs> he's not picking out the the best and the biggest people that would have been Egypt, um, yeah. Egypt. So there's always this kind of contrast between uh, Egypt and Israel. I mean, the Egyptians treated us harshly. They had all sorts of riches. They had, they had might and uh, they had all this glory. And what did they do with that? Well, they made us into slaves. They, they, they're not good. Uh, and so the Lord wants to make sure that they are, um, they are, they are being set apart from the nations, all the other nations that they are being made holy. And, and that means to be, to be different. And we're going to be people who don't 
idolize our stuff. We're going to be people who, who don't make golden calves out of uh, gold and silver and, and worship them. Uh, we're going to be the people who, along with the church in, in Acts 2, see that there are people among us and who are in need. And, and so we, we sell all of our things and so that no one has any need and we share everything with one another. And, and we're in the temple day by day and breaking bread in our homes and being devoted to, to Christ and to the scripture and to the liturgy and to the prayers and, and to tithing and to alms and, and all of these things. And, um, you know, it, it's so easy to forget. And, and you see this is that, once they start getting power and money um, and land, the temptation is always to uh, hold on to that tighter rather than um, give it away. And, and, and so the Lord gives us this beautiful thing. He says, oh, yes, I know that you're going to forget this. So um, you, you got to tithe. You, you have to, you have to give it away. Um, yeah. Put it in a basket, <laughs> go to the place where I tell you to go. Um, do we want to talk about that? About the, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Cause I, I was, I'm glad you brought up that the, the aspect of giving helps you to remember that you are a given to person and that you didn't get all this stuff on your own and not to put pride and idolatry ahead of the Lord. Right. So that, that was good. But yeah, talk about the importance, especially of the first offering that's talked about the first fruits. They are to go to the place where, where is it? Where the, where the Lord, your God will choose. There it is in verse two. Talk about that significance where he makes his name dwell. Yes. So it's, it's interesting to me here now at this point, they're still moving around. Uh, there's no temple in Jerusalem, and there there won't be for a while. Uh, but the Lord's name dwells with them, particularly in the tabernacle, um, in above the mercy seat. This is where the Lord's name dwells. And the thing about the Lord's name is that where His name is, that's where He is. It's not like you just put a name tag on something else. Uh, no, the Lord puts his name in a place and that is where his presence will be. Um, and, and he tells Aaron to, to bless the people with his name and where my name is, that is where I will be. Put my name on the people, the Lord bless you and keep you, etc. And what we see, um, I mean, eventually he will cause his name to dwell in a building and not because God needs a building. Remember this when, when David is, he's sitting in his beautiful house and he looks, he looks down on the, the tent that they've built to, to hold the, the ark. And he says, God, you live in a tent. Don't you need something nicer? And, and the Lord says to David, he's like, no, I don't need anything nicer than this. Did I tell you that I needed some fancy building to dwell in? Um, but the Lord, uh, he listens to his people. It's, it's pretty wild. He says, oh, you guys need a building for, to find me. And so I'm going to, I'm going to do it for you. And, and so he, he 
he puts his name on the temple in Jerusalem and he causes his name to, to dwell there. Um, and this is in Solomon's prayer of dedication too. He says, uh, they've got everyone there and the, the whole entire assembly is there and Solomon's on the, the, the doorstep. And, and he says, Whoa, did we actually, did we remember to invite the Lord? And, and so he prays this prayer and he says like, Lord, you're going to make your name dwell here. And then he does, and he comes down there. Now, um, we, we have this in a more fulfilled way. So the name of the Lord is put upon the people, uh, with the ironic benediction and the name of the Lord is actually put upon you in holy baptism. It is not a mistake that when the Lord institutes the sacrament of holy baptism in, in Matthew 28, that he says to baptize them into the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy Spirit. And so the Lord puts his name on, on you and the Lord puts his name on you. And that means that that's where he is. That's where his presence dwells with you. Uh, he, he, his name dwells with you in, in the book of revelation. It's beautiful. We see this, it's actually written on your forehead. Everyone knows about the mark of the beast, but no one remembers that. Oh, the redeemed of the Lord are also marked on their foreheads with the name of the Lord. So this is, this has been fulfilled, uh, in, in you, in your, your baptism, marking you that you are one who is your father is a wandering Aramean. Uh, this is, this is your people now. And, and you were taken out of death and brought into life and you were taken out of slavery and brought into, uh, into freedom in, into real life. So, you know, stop hoarding all your stuff, stop, stop, uh, gripping it so tightly that, that you, you can't actually see that this is a gift and it's been given to you to serve your neighbors. Uh, yeah. I, I, I don't like, let's, let's take a, let's take a break yeah. there about the, with the, the thought of serving your neighbor, take it and quit hoarding your stuff. Remember it was given to you. And we'll talk a little bit about the serving neighbor aspect of the gift, because that certainly comes up in the matter of the tie. So let's go ahead and take our break. You're listening to Sharper Iron here on KFUO. We're talking about Deuteronomy 26 with Pastor Kyle Meetsner. We'll be right back. Please stick around. Did you know that Lutherans are helping new American immigrants get settled? How about struggling church workers in need of support and refreshment? And we assist at-risk children and provide disaster response to hurricane victims. Through LCMS recognized service organizations, we are doing all this and more. I'm Rahema Kavuga of Lutheran Church Extension Fund, and I don't want you to miss out on hearing what your brothers and sisters in Christ are up to. Visit interesttime.org to see how your support gives life to these works of mercy and love. What do you think of when you hear the word college? Expensive? Liberal? Woke? Imagine a college that is affordable. A college that is unapologetically conservative and Lutheran. A college that won't take a dime of federal funding. A college that teaches the best of our Western heritage. A college where students grow in the Christian faith instead of leaving it behind. This is Luther Classical College. A college by Lutherans and for Lutherans. Visit our website, lutherclassical.org. Subscribe, become a patron, and join the thousands who are making Luther Classical College a reality. 
Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Friday, September 16th. We're studying Deuteronomy 26 verses 1 to 19 with Pastor Kyle Meitzner. He is a chaplain in the United States Army, and he is currently training at Fort Jackson in Columbia, South Carolina. Pastor Meitzner, prior to the break, we were talking about why you give your stuff away, the role of offerings, tithing, lest we begin to worship that. Instead, we remember that we are ones whom the Lord has put his name upon, and now we get to use this stuff to serve neighbor. And that's something that's important to keep in mind when we think about Old Testament offerings, that they didn't just kind of go into nowhere. There were certain sacrifices that were completely burned up, but many of them served the role of caring for the priests. And in this case, we've got some other neighbors to be cared for through these offerings. Uh, Talk more about that role of our offerings and giving, how it goes to serve the neighbor. Yeah, very good. So first off, it's really, really, really good for you to, uh, to give your stuff away. It is. Tithing is good for you. It's good for your soul. It, it is, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's very good for you to remember that you are nothing if not given to, and guess what? You can do good things with those offerings. Then, uh, when, when I was a child, I don't, I don't know if you, uh, ever thought like this, but when I was a child, I assumed that the offerings in church just got taken out into the parking lot and burned after the service. I, I don't think I thought that ever, but Go ahead. Yeah, I had no idea. I was like, wow. well, you know, we put the we put the money into the plate and then they clearly just take it out back and burn it, right? Uh, because all I had ever heard about in the or the only things that really kind of stuck out in my my my, you know, 10-year-old boy head was burned offerings. You're like, yeah, well, yeah, that's pretty enough. cool. Just torch them. Fair enough. Yeah, well, and now I know having served professionally in the church for you know, a, a decade or more, that is not in fact what we do with the offerings. Um, and it's, it's actually how I support my family. Uh, the church, <laughs> the church, the church pays the pastors, the, the Levites are actually uh, paid through these offerings. And now, and you kind of remember this too, right? The, the, the Lord establishes the Levites as a people without land, they don't have they don't have an inheritance of land. Um, there's kind of these cities every you know there's a there's a couple of these cities, but um, but overall they don't have land. They don't have an inheritance to pass on to their children. There's no um, gener- generational wealth there. And in in this world, having land is having wealth. If you've got land, then you can grow things and you can survive. But the Lord puts the Levites among them and they're kind of everywhere. And where they are, you have to support them or they will uh, starve and die. Those, those, they won't last. And so it's really, really good for us to have these people around. I mean, like you and me who depend completely on the people in our congregations to support us. Um, it's, and, and it's also quite a witness to the world. Uh, we, we were in the UK a couple of years ago and our, our friends there, um, we, we had, we had gone to a, a church of England 
church uh, while we were there because um, there's not really any Lutherans where where we were at least. But um, but the the people in our friends they they didn't know that and they they could hardly believe even that the only income that I have is from the people in my congregation. I have, again, I have nothing. Um, but, but they, uh, provide for me and my family through, through tithes, um, through, through the offerings. And, and it's, and it's really kind of a beautiful thing to have this. And so the Lord wants them to always have people around who need them, uh, to, 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 to provide for them. And so it's not only the Levite. And by the way, I don't, I never get the impression that it's some really prestigious thing to be a Levite during this time. Um, again, they don't have land. They don't really have anything. So he kind of preserves these people among them who don't have anything. Um, and uh, I want to say it's in Deuteronomy 14 or 15 somewhere, but um, he also among them, there are the, the sojourner, the fatherless and the widow, and they are to care particularly for these people. And throughout the book of Deuteronomy, that, that kind of this threefold um, person, the sojourner, the fatherless and the widow continues to come up again and again and again, that you're, you're going to have these people with you. And, and Jesus says this, right? Well, the poor you will always have with you. And in Deuteronomy, it says, you're going to always have the poor with you. So rejoice in providing for them all the time. Because sometimes I hear that, that, oh, well, you know, Jesus says we'll have the poor always with us. And so, you know, we're not going to help them. So we don't need to do it because they're always going to be poor. Deuteronomy turns that around and says, oh, no, 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 no. This will be a great cause of joy for you to provide for these people that the Lord always has. But yeah, so that's where your offerings are going. They're going to to care for the Levites, uh, for the sojourner, the fatherless, and, and the widow. And, and it's interesting to me, too, that this is something that does... Uh, carry on into the New Testament as well, and especially with paying your pastors. Um, I mean, it's it's picked up, and and you Lutherans know this. It's in your table of duties what the hearers owe their pastors. And I'm also not sure that there's a direct correlation between the Levitical priesthood and the office of the holy ministry that the Lord institutes. But it seems that Paul connects these two things though um, that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel and that anyone who receives instruction in the word must share all good things with his instructor um, and, and that those the elders who direct the church are worthy of double honor um, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching and that you hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work and you obey them and, and listen to them and submit to the authority that has been given to them by God. So he puts these people among us um, that we would have joy in, in providing for them. Um, it's, it's, 
Luther in his uh, commentary on Deuteronomy, he says this wonderful little line. He says, if we're, if we're actually doing this, everything shall be alive, holy, free, joyous, and pleasing to God. And, and I think about that with, with the whole of the, the law of God, with the whole um, Torah. If we're actually doing these things, everything will be alive and holy and free and joyous and pleasing to God. He has not, he has not sent us here um, to be slaves to sin and to death. We are slaves uh, to Christ. We are slaves of Christ, uh, but we are we are not enslaved to the old ways of the world in, in which we are um, prisoners of death. We've been, we've been taken out of that. And so this is where your offerings are going to go. Uh, it, it's, yeah, it's wonderful. I want to I want to pick up that thought about not being slaves to sin and death, rather being slaves to Christ. I want to pick that up again toward the end, especially as we get to this conclusion of the the sermon that Moses gives in verses sixteen to nineteen, and the way that he describes the the relationship between the Lord and His people, and the the great goodness that it is for them to have this law and to hold on to it and to do it. But I want to come back to that because I want to ask you one more question about the the thought of tithing and offering that we've got here, and, and in your notes that you sent me ahead of time, you said one of the things that we could talk about is the connection between tithing and forgiveness. And I'm, I'm curious to hear more about that one, the connection between tithing and forgiveness. Yeah. So in Deuteronomy 14, when the Lord um, institutes the tithe, and by the way, tithe in the, in the Hebrew just literally means of a 10th. Um, so yeah, it, it is a 10%. Um, sometimes I wonder if we use the word tithe just to kind of make ourselves feel bad because we give 7% or whatever it is. But um, anyways, so right, right after he institutes the tithe um, that you're going to give, you're going to give 10% of the first fruits of the earth because the Lord's giving you so many first fruits. He's given you so many fruits, of course. Uh, it, the very next chapter is on the sabbatical year um, in which uh at the end of every seven years, you you free everything. You forgive all the debts. Uh, everything like reverts back to uh, the the original holders of the land, um, and and it's it's great. The sabbatical year is not only about forgiving debts. Again, it is going back to reminding them who they are and what they've been given. And there's this wonderful little line. He says. Um, it's like you, once you're coming up to the seventh year and if you start looking around people and hardening your hearts against them or shutting your hands against them, um, like don't do that because this is, this is all about forgiveness. So again, we are nothing if not forgiven people. And so the connection between this, this tithing and the forgiveness, it's, it's just why on earth would we hold anything against anyone? Why on earth would we hold people's debts against them? And, and the Lord even institutes, not institutes, but he teaches us this in, in the, the Our Father. It's like, well, forgive us our, our debts as we forgive those who have debts against us. And, and it's so scandalous to us 
you know, because this world runs on debt. Um, I don't know if you remember this, uh, Andrew Jackson, uh, actually, I, I think he may be the only president who did this, but he actually paid off the national debt. And it was, it, there was like an economic crisis because, because the economy runs on debt. Everything is fueled by debt. And it, it it's, we're, we're holding these things against one another when forgiveness is this all encompassing thing. And we're not limiting this solely to, um, I mean, what we do in church on Sunday morning, if what we do in church on Sunday morning has no impact on the rest of your life, what are we doing? Uh, yeah, you should forgive your neighbor's sins and, and, and maybe even forgive their debts. And so, yeah, it's just this, we're just completely given to in every single way. And, and it, and it's, again, my life has just been proof of this time and time again. Um, the, the things that I think that I'm working for, they never really turn out. And, but the, the life that I've been gifted with is a billion times better than I could have even begun to plan out. So yeah, tithing and forgiveness, they always go together. All right. So we are those, and I love how you keep repeating this. We're those who are given to, and then that affects everything that we do. It certainly is running through this section, dealing with these two offerings, the offerings of first fruits, the tithes. And then in, in verse 16, Moses begins to wrap up this whole sermon. Again, Moses has been speaking now since chapter five, this one long sermon dealing with really the, the Decalogue, various applications of it. And now he, he wraps things up. And in these last few verses, verses 16 to 19 of chapter 26, we, we hear a lot of echoes of other parts of Deuteronomy. There's some echoes, I think, of the, the Shema, the hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. There's, there's echoes of other beautiful passages from Deuteronomy. And, and it's wonderful how Moses here says, you know, you're declaring today that the Lord is your God, and he's declaring to you that you're his people, you're his treasured possession, and, and you're holy, a people holy to the Lord your God. This is a, a just a, you, you talked about a farewell sermon and how there's a lot of pressure on a pastor. I mean, Moses, he really, he really gets it very well here in his farewell sermon in Deuteronomy. Help, help us into these last verses of chapter 26. Yeah, I like that you... You know, it's something I hadn't really quite thought of that that this um, I don't know coda or whatever at the the very end is this is the whole thing too. Um, and the next sermon is very different, isn't it? Um, yeah, I mean the next yeah, sermon more, Moses isn't done talking yet, but <laughs> no, it, it is going to have a different tone, yeah. right? And for a guy who uh, his you know objection to the Lord at the the burning bush is like I can't talk good, and then he talks a lot. Right. Um, anyway, it seems like Aaron, you don't really hear a whole ton about him um, talking for most. I mean, maybe he is, I don't know, but, um, but it seems like the Lord uh, took care of him. So, you know, surprise, surprise. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's great. Now I, and I got this from John Kleinig um, and, in Norman Nagel, but yeah, at the very end, you shall be a people holy to the Lord, your God, as he promised. And so that can either be taken as you shall be holy in, in saying 
you need to do these things. Okay. You, my people shall be holy. So am I telling, am I, am I telling you that you need to, um, do the good things and not the bad things? I mean, you could take it that way, but the Lord has promised that they will be holy. And he is declaring to them that they are his holy people. Uh, the Lord has declared today that you are a people for his treasured possession as he has promised you and that you are to keep all his commandments. And why wouldn't you? I mean, you think about the, this whole entire thing. The Lord is so oriented towards, towards justice and the goodness and freedom of the people and forgiveness of every kind. Why wouldn't you keep these things? I mean, when you, yeah, when you look at the 10 commandments and you think, why on earth have we ever been taught that these are like barriers or, or, or bad things the, the classic, um, law gospel dichotomy that the law is bad and the gospel is good. It's, it, it, it's absolute nonsense. The will of the Lord is good and it's all given, uh, for your, for your good and for the good of the people of Israel. And I, you know, one of the things too, is that he always is emphasizing how he goes, uh, before them and after them and, and will fight for them. So they don't need to worry about all the fighting stuff. Um, yeah. And why, why won't they listen? And, and, And that's a, you know, sin, obviously. I mean, why won't I listen to the Lord sin? Uh, why do I want to clutch my possessions, um, ever tighter? Um, why am I not running around, uh, finding the, the fatherless and the widows and the sojourners to, to help? Um, but this is the same thing as, is what they're doing. Cause you, you know, you would think, you would think that these people who have been led through the wilderness with nothing of their own by a pillar of fire and smoke with this beautiful tabernacle in the middle of their encampment, how could they, you know, uh, turn away? They do. They turn away almost immediately. They always do. We always do. You know, again, well, also, my father was a wandering airman, wasn't he? But yeah, it just, he ends this whole thing. He says, yeah, you're the people of God. You are the nation of God. And, and, and he has made you holy. And, and he will do it again, too. Uh, we have this in the, the prayer that we use at baptism, right? Where we talk about um, the Lord bringing his people through the Red Sea on the dry ground and through the Jordan River. So they're about to to walk through the Jordan River being being saved again through through the water, which is the Lord's apparently is the way the Lord wants us to be saved. And and it's fine because it's everywhere, right? But yeah, he is going to set you in praise and in fame and in honor high above all the nations. So, um, the, and 
he establishes you as this shining city on a hill, doesn't he? And and this is what the church is here for, um, to to be this this nation among all the nations. And it so far has worked because we've outlasted every single other institution on the face of the earth and um, all the other religions come and they go. Um, the, the religions that the neighboring tribes are, are practicing. I mean, they're all, they're all gone. Um, yeah. You don't have people devoted to Egyptian religion anymore. And if you do, it's just something that people have rekindled. Um, right. But yeah, it, this is, this is the Lord's doing. This is the Lord's doing all of it. And to think for one second that we were the ones who either established it or ruined it. I mean, no way he's not going to do that to you. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, I really, the, when you started talking about the church and like it's it's worked so far, but you think about the history of the church and if, if when we would recite the history of the church, it would sound very much like the creed that they are given to to recite in verses five through 11 of this text. You know, I mean, it, w- it, would, it would not be a history in which by our strength or might or wisdom that we have made the church into some great institution. But it would be a history in which we would confess how the Lord has been merciful to us and has preserved us. And we remain this people who is given to over and over again. And it is by the Lord's grace and his grace alone that we are his treasured possession, his holy people, his what as we say, and this is what we say in the creed, that we are his his saints, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints. Those are that's gift language yet again. And and the same is true for us as it was for the people of Israel. It's a marvelous thing. And the, the way that Moses wraps up this second sermon really, I mean, just so clearly emphasizes those those aspects of grace within this sermon that has been law. And and yet this is all gift from God for his people. We've got about four minutes here, Pastor Meester. Help us to, to wrap this text up. Uh, point us to, to Christ through these words of Moses in Deuteronomy 26. Yeah, very good. I You know, it is, it is funny um we do so the lord gives them this little liturgy to say a wandering aramean was my father and because they're gonna forget where they came from and and so it's interesting yeah in the creed we do have this thing right we do have to say well i i believe in the holy spirit the holy christian church the communion of saints the forgiveness of sins and the the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting and we have to put those things in there and we have to say them every week uh every day because you may very well forget that you are uh, the child of a wandering airman and you may forget that the holy church is here and you may forget about the forgiveness of sins you might even forget about the resurrection of the body. But uh, the Lord <clears throat> has indeed established this and has given this to us. And 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 he has given himself to you. Uh, he has put his name upon you and he has given to you in abundance. Uh, look around you. Uh, you have been given so much. And, and, and Jesus, again, talks about this all the time. You know, we're worried about so many moral issues and everything, but 
Jesus is more concerned about what your money does to you than most anything else. And he really wants you to see, well, he's the resurrection and the life. He is the life of the world. He is the light of the world. And the world tried to get rid of him to kill him, which they did. And it didn't work. He is crucified, dies and is buried. And as hard as we tried to turn God's back away from us, uh, to get rid of him. We couldn't do it. He is raised from the dead and continues to spread this good news around the whole entire world. And even if we forgot it and tried to keep it down, even the rocks would cry out. Maybe they are already. I don't know. But, uh, but there he is. You are the people holy to the Lord, your God. And he has promised this and, uh, and look around you through the cross, through the resurrection of Jesus, you are dwelling in a land of milk and honey and have so much. Um, so be, be given to and, uh, be giving people. Uh, this is, this is a beautiful thing that the Lord has, has called us into. And it, I think it is the, natural reaction of people when they come into the church, when they are, uh, when they are baptized, when they, uh, come to be saved and come to the knowledge of God, they want to, they want to give everything away. And all of a sudden you have people who are like, Oh yeah, well, well I'm all in, let's do it. And, and they become very, um, uh, I don't know, uh, discouraged by people in the church who are, you know, it's just a Sunday morning thing. It's like, wow, it's way more than that. This is your whole entire life. This is your identity. This is who you are. Um, you're the Lord's people. His name is written on you. Um, you got everything that you need. Pastor Kyle Meetsner is a chaplain in the United States Army, currently training at Fort Jackson in Columbia, South Carolina, helping us today with Deuteronomy 26, verses 1 to 19. Pastor Meetsner, thanks for being our guest today. You're welcome. Great to, great to be with you. I'm your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again next week. <laughs>